Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective, featuring the friars from St. Patrick Church in Columbus. And now, Dominican Dimensions. Welcome to the Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. Today I'm joined in the studio by my fellow friar, Father Stephen Dominic Hayes. Let's begin by invoking the powerful intercession of Our Lady. Hail Hail Mary, Mary, full full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Today we're going to speak about the Jewish roots, um, the Old Testament roots of the Last Supper, of the Passover that Jesus celebrated with his friends on the night before he died, and how he changed it, but how it has deep, deep roots in what, what our Jewish brothers and sisters have studied um, for for centuries. Mm-hmm. Father Hayes has has been doing um, <clears throat> some mission preaching again. Uh, right, just after, got back. Just got back. Just got back. And he's also been uh, studying Hebrew. He's taking an online right. Hebrew class. Well, COVID, of course, shut down most of my preaching ministry during mm-hmm. the past year, so one finds other things to do. So my first formal academic exercise in 32 years, so this mm-hmm. has been interesting. So I've been studying Hebrew mm-hmm. and um, and then taking some other courses for a deeper understanding of the the Old Testament so that I can see the roots of what Christ was accomplishing. Because he comes to his own people. I think right. sometimes we, we don't get this. And we, we act as if this what he's doing is completely unintelligible to everybody else. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. You know, there there are all kinds of things in the Old Testament, including peculiarities in the Hebrew I'm finding out. Uh, I knew they were there, but now I'm able to study them specifically and see the changes, you know, in the Hebrew, right. uh, and understand that there's a lot going on in the text in terms of prophecy, you know. Right. So, and, one, and one thing I should point out, that Father Hayes is taking his course from um, Hebrew University. Well, they, that's the accrediting. It's the Institute... Um, it's the Institute for uh, Israel Institute for Biblical Studies. Yeah. So in other but, words, but, but, it's, you're but taking, the accreditation is through Hebrew University Jerusalem, right? But you're you're taking the course from a teacher who's non-Christian, right? Who's I, uh, we don't get into that, but okay, you know. But they could I, they could I, be I do, Jew, I do get, yeah, they're they're very good in the Hebrew. So okay, like my my current teacher of Hebrew is was uh, is a uh, her first language is French, and mm-hmm. she grew up in Israel and. Mm-hmm. So it's an and she continues to make jokes in modern Hebrew, which is very interesting for me. <laughs> so, but Father Hayes is 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 you know looking at he's studying Hebrew from a Jewish perspective, you know, you might and the, say, and the text I would and say the text you know, from a Jewish so, perspective. Sure. So, but he's been, of course, seeing a lot of these. But connections there's connections, to the you New know, like Testament. for instance, Jesus connects himself with the prophet Jonah, for instance, mm-hmm. and like there shall be no sign given this generation except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Well, right. what's the sign of the prophet Jonah? Well, you know. He gets swallowed up by a fish. Well, he's in the belly of the sea, in the belly mm-hmm. of the fish, for three days, three nights. And But there's also, of course, the conversion of of the enemies of right. God. 
at the end of it, the conversion of Nineveh, which the Assyrians are the great enemies of the Jewish people at the time this is being written. Mm-hmm. So um, this is, I mean, when God tells him to go preach to Nineveh, you know, this is like me being told by my superiors to go preach street preaching in Islamabad. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. how long before I'm, I get stoned to death out there, you know? <laughs> uh, but um, so he runs the other way. But uh, but the interesting thing in Hebrew that I hadn't seen, you know, there's, he's, he, he runs the other way. He goes to Tarshish, which is Spain, instead of east towards Nineveh. He uh, leaves from Joppa. He takes a ship. Uh, the storm comes up chasing him. The, uh, the lord of the storm, he... he uh, they throw lots to see who's responsible. Jonah's name comes up. You know, who are you? You know, what? What do you? You know, where are you from? <laughs> what do you do? Um, I'm a Hebrew, and I'm running away from my God. So, you better throw me in the sea. <laughs> so they throw me overboard. You know, the sky clears. They offer sacrifice to the God of Israel. But meanwhile, Jonah gets swallowed by the fish. Now, the funny thing about this fish is when it when it goes and seizes Jonah, it's a ma- they use a male word for fish. Mm-hmm. But when he, the, he's inside the, the, what the prophet's inside the fish's belly, they use the feminine word for fish. Mm. So how did the fish get from male to female, and why? Because this is the sacred language, right? God never does anything arbitrarily. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you'd forget from one line to the next that you would, you know, have a male fish at one, and now we're talking about a female fish. And, you know, we discussed it in class, and I think this is the heart of it. There's a sense in which now the the fish is pregnant with the prophet. Mm-hmm. You know, and indeed, and the other thing is the word for vessel or ship is also feminine. Mm-hmm. So now it's the transport. The fish goes over, spits him out on the right road to Nineveh, and the prophet has a new life. The a new birth. And a new direction. Mm-hmm. Because now he actually goes to Nineveh. So, so he's sort of resurrected from the dead. Mm-hmm. And so was Jesus talking about, I think, the resurrection, but I think also about the conversion of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the best revenge of God? To destroy his enemies? You know, I do not, you know, wish, you know, this is the antiphon for right now in Lent for the midday prayer, Right. You know, as I live, says the, the Lord, Lord, I do, do not, not wish the, the sinner, sinner to die, die but, but to turn to me and live. live. Right. And to live. Mm-hmm. And so God comes to, he seeks to give life, and he gives life through the the prophet who mm-hmm. has risen from the dead, it seems. Mm-hmm. You know, from the de- waters of death. You know, the waters of death, you know, right. came over me. All these scriptures keep coming together now, you know. Right. And when you use the gritty texts of the Old Testament, uh, you get to see a lot more when you actually play with the Hebrew, I'm finding. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I noticed this when I was studying Hebrew, Latin and Greek and now Hebrew. So all those sacred languages, which the Holy Spirit nailed to the cross you know, on the day Jesus died, you know, Jesus and others, king of the Jews, and you know, Pilate had it written in Hebrew and Latin and in Greek. Mm-hmm. This is in Gospel John. Uh, those sacred languages maintain this richness of text. And for mm-hmm. those... and. One of the great things about my life, of course, is that I'm being allowed to go study this stuff. Right. And I still get, you know, three hot, three meals and a, and a, and a place to sleep. So this is, <laughs> this is a good thing, you mm-hmm. know. But I can dig these riches now and see more powerfully how they all fit together. Right. So, right. and I says that, that, as you pointed out in the beginning, that especially is coming to me <clears throat> in my understanding of how 
of what the Lord was doing with the Last Supper hmm. and beyond, because and beyond is crucial to understand what he's doing. I think when I was growing up, you know, you tended to look at Jesus' uh, life as a series of holy pictures, because that's how we got taught. You know, we have, right. The Last Supper was one moment, and Calvary was another moment. But that's really not what's going on when you see what was happening. Right. Yeah, we were talking earlier <clears throat> before the show about how, um, you know, if you look at the Paschal mystery, you know, Jesus' mm-hmm. suffering, right. death, and resurrection as a kind of liturgy, you know, right. how can you see that as a liturgy? You know, and, and how would a Jewish person, a Jewish follower of Christ in the early... Or, you or know, Jew. Or you a know, Jew, uh, how, would, how, would, they, how yeah. would they see that as a liturgy? Right. The, uh, the Messiah, when he's supposed to come, is supposed to, uh, is supposed to be a new Moses. Mm-hmm. Okay? Matthew's Gospel especially brings this forward. When we look at what Jesus did, you know, he, there's supposed to be, Moses says to the people in Deuteronomy, that another, I, you know, God will raise another prophet like me, mm-hmm. to whom you will listen. You didn't listen to me. But you'll listen to this one. And he talks about, um, so what will this one do? Well, if Moses was uh, summoned by God, then mm-hmm. this prophet will have a connection with God, obviously. Uh, if there is a, is it a coming out of, of Egypt, there will be another exodus. Mm-hmm. Okay? And uh, if there is another ex- a pass- a exodus, there's another passage through the Red Sea, a passing through water, which is the baptism of the Lord. If there is a, uh, if there is a Moses, that will be another new man. There will be a new manna, mm-hmm. which is the Holy Eucharist. You, if there, if this is a, uh, if this is Moses, there will be a new tent of dwelling, a new temple, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, the shape of what the, the tent of meeting looked like in say David and Solomon's time, or Solomon's time and beyond. So new temple and Jesus, you know, if you. If you remember when he cleanses the temple, he says, you know, what sign, they ask, the Jewish priests ask, what sign can you give for doing this? And he right. says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will build it up. They say, we've been building the temple for 46 years, you, you crazy? You know, but it says then, but he was speaking of the temple of his body. So the body right. of the temple is Christ himself. He is the tent of dwelling. He mm-hmm. is the place where God lives among men. Right. You know, and he fulfills all the prophecies. Uh, you know, when his side is pierced, you know, Ezekiel's prophecy comes clear. I saw water coming from the temple right. on the right side, because not just blood, but water flows from his side, and it mm-hmm. flows out. And most reputations you'll see, follow this and put the wound on the right side. Mm-hmm. We could talk about that in a, another time, why that makes sense from a Roman soldier's point of view, because um, you'd have a shield on the other side, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if this is the practice fencing stroke. But but again, when when say Jews in Passover time were walking by, they wouldn't connect the crucifixion of Christ of itself with a liturgy. But the apostles would, because they'd been there from the liturgy from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Because of course, the work that he's doing does not begin then. His passion, actually, his three days, does not be. Uh, this is not all third. This is not all Friday to Saturday. Obviously, right? It begins. You know, the passion begins after he finishes the Last Supper, right. when he is rested in the garden. And so, um, what I would suggest to you, and this is, I, you know, um, Scott Hahn has written a book on the fourth cup, but that, in fact, what is going on here is Jesus is taking the Passover ceremony 
mm-hmm. you know, which in his time actually includes a Passover lamb. So uh, since the temple has been destroyed, Jews have not been able to have Passover lambs because they have to be, you know, sacrificed by the priests in the temple. Right. And there is no temple in Jerusalem currently. Um, so I remember asking Rabbi, one, one, what do you do when you come to something in the law like Passover lamb that you can't do? He says, well, we do what we can and we say, and we do penance for the rest. We're eminently practical. Mm-hmm. That there's a sense in which for them who do not see the Messiah having come, they're still waiting for the, this, these problems to be resolved and are in a kind of exile, which they will admit, right. from the, the pattern of life to which God has called them to since Moses' day. Right. You're listening to The Dominican Dimensions, a half hour of lively discussion about Catholic issues from a Dominican perspective. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. I'm joined in the studio by my brother in St. Dominic, Father Stephen Dominic Hayes, and we've been discussing the Jewish roots and Old Testament roots of the Passover, of the New Covenant instituted by, by Jesus. And we've gone over how um, the, uh, you know, whereas you might not look at Jesus's suffering or passion or crucifixion as a liturgy, mm-hmm. but when you realize that it all began with the Passover on, on, on Holy Thursday evening, you realize that, that it is a liturgy, but it, but it didn't mm-hmm. end with the end of the Passover. No, there are, and there are wonderful things about it, you know, and of Christ himself, you know. So he was born at Bethlehem, where the Passover lambs are being grown for mm. a sacrifice. Did Five, they have to come from Bethlehem? Huh? Yes. The Passover lambs? Okay. They had to be kept outdoors for a year. Hmm. Okay, they had to live outdoors for a year. So, they, so, yeah, so, uh, so the lambs, he's, he, he's born among the lambs of sacrifice. Hmm. <laughs> the Lamb right. of God who takes away the sins of the world. Right. You know, I remember actually, all right. Um, and then five and, a, five and a quarter miles away is Jerusalem, where the Passover lambs are sacrificed. Mm-hmm. You know, and Flavius Josephus, I think, says that you know about two hundred thousand lambs would be sacrificed at a Passover in his day. You know that a million, or oh, more than a million Jewish pilgrims would come in. And they, they'd sacrifice lambs for like groups of ten to twenty pilgrims, which I think mm-hmm. puts it more like a like one point seven five million, something like that. But at any rate, um, a lot of lambs were right. sacrificed. You know, and the and the priests would to pour the blood from the that they, they the the blood was poured out from the lamb. Mm-hmm. And the the uh, it would be splashed on the altar by a bucket brigade of priests who would, you know, uh, the priest would catch the blood in the basin and then it would be passed down the line and empty empty bowls they were bo- they were round on the bottom so the blood wouldn't coagulate mm. and and the, when the when the last lamb was done the high priest would stretch out his arms from side to side and say it is finished. Mm. It is finished. Wow. So we have that. We have mm. that. But there's also wonderful other things, you know. So the uh, Scott Hahn does talk about the four the four cups, mm-hmm. and I'd like to talk about those a little bit mm-hmm. because the, the now Jesus. We don't have a, a Passover service from the first century. The serv- most of the services that we have that uh, are from Judaism are later. I think they're third century mm-hmm. is when we find the oldest versions of them. But because, because they are, because uh, the most solemn rites of a religion are tend to be conservative. Think of our 
own use of things like prostration on Good Friday, which right. was the ordinary way of celebrating Mass in the early church mm. uh, when you come in. Uh, they, they, there's a reasonable expectation that the basic structure of the present Haggadah service, of the Seder service, uh, reflects the realities of the meal as was given in Judaism in the first century. Mm-hmm. So when, um, so now, so there are four cups and actually a fifth cup. The four cups of wine are drunk. One one cup is definitely not drunk. The wine is poured back into the bottle at the end of the service. So the four cups begin with uh, the first one is the one that is, which is the grace. You know, so opens the meal, the kiddush. Mm-hmm. Then there is the uh, the second. Then you recite what what God did for our for the Jewish people, for our people of Israel from the beginning, from Moses. Mm-hmm. And so, why is this night not like other you know other nights? How is this night different from every yeah, other night? Yeah, and probably in, in, I imagine it. Not this is just me, but I imagine the Last Supper was Jesus answering the questions and John the Apostle, the teenage one, mm-hmm. the youngest one, right. trying to uh, putting them forth. And it's interesting that we have a lot of this stuff in in John's Gospel. Um, but uh, so you talk about what God did for the people of Moses' times, and then the second cup is the uh, the, the finishes the 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 Haggadah, the the the, the story, um, and then you you lay down you need, you uh, recline to eat as free persons, okay, in the second cup. So this this uh, opens up. The meal, and so delivered from slavery, you now eat as free people, and you're not even supposed to pour your own wine cup. Somebody else is supposed to pour. Mm. You pour each other's wine cups as if you are royalty who are having servants mm. wait on you. Right. So these are wonderful things, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the third cup is the hail at the end of the meal. Uh, uh, so you host know, opens up the meal by breaking bread, at and uh, the end of the meal finishes by drinking. The cup of blessing called, called the, uh, and this is the uh, Hillel cup. This is celebrates the completion of uh, the re, of the redemption. And then, um, and then you talk about what Messiah is going to do. Mm-hmm. And then it finishes with the fourth cup, which brings the Seder to the close. The fifth cup is for Elijah. And it's never drunk. You you put the cup on uh, for Elijah, and you open the door, and the kids will peek out the door to see if Elijah's actually standing out there waiting to come mm-hmm. in. But uh, And I'll get to that in a bit. But uh, the the there's there's more to this, because each of these cups is understood as having a promise attached to it from mm-hmm. God. And these are the promises that, the five promises that God made to Moses at the, when he was first called. So from the very beginning of Moses' work, mm-hmm. the, this, this pattern is being enacted. You know, so the, the Seder, the, the Passover meal is not just enacted when God starts talking about how to celebrate it. It's actually being talked about when Moses first gets his summons, and that's chapter 6 in Exodus. And what God says uh, is, uh, I am the Lord, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and I, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but my my name he did the Lord I did not make known to them. He reveals new name, you know mm-hmm. Yod Hey Vav Hey, you know, Hashem the name, you know uh, which I will not pronounce on you know because even if some of our hymns have done that and I, just out of respect to that holy name which was pronounced only by the high priest when he entered to worship before the Lord on the Day of Atonement, mm-hmm. you know in the temple. 
But he says, uh, he says, moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, uh, uh, whom the Egyptians hold in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Say, therefore, the people of Israel, I am the Lord. And that's actually the holy name. Right. Okay? And I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will... So they, I will bring you out. Mm-hmm. I will deliver you from your bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm of the great acts of judgment. And I will take you for my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And uh, fifth, I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Mm-hmm. Again, he begins and he sandwiches this thing with the announcement of the holy name. You know, this new relationship. So when you come to the when you come to the four cups, the rabbis have always associated the four cups with the first four promises. Mm. And the fifth cup, it's argued about, but with the fifth with the fifth promise. And and so the first one is I shall bring you out. You know, and then you tell the story of the of the uh The Exodus. The Exodus, right. And then I shall I shall deliver you from bondage. So you can act as three persons. You know? mm-hmm. And then the third one, I will redeem you. So I will satisfy whatever claims that, that Pharaoh had on you by bringing you out with a strong, I will, I, will pay, I will make him pay a price mm-hmm. <laughs> back. You know? mm-hmm. and, then the, and then the fourth cup is I shall acquire you as my own people. Mm. Okay? And then the fifth one is I shall bring you into the land. And Judaism still sees that's what Messiah is supposed to do when he comes. He's going to bring us out. So the new Messiah is going to bring us in a different exodus. It's mm. going to be an exodus out of this world entirely, out from brokenness and sin and death into Olam Haba, the world to come. And that is what Christ has come to do. Mm. Now there's, uh, in, in, number, in uh, Exodus 24, uh, there's an invitation of the, of the, no, of the uh, certain selected elders of Israel Mm-hmm. to go up. So three go up with Moses, they go up a little higher, they come closer. Uh, there's another group who come up onto the mountain to eat and drink with God and have a mm-hmm. vision of him. Mm-hmm. This God who cannot be seen except you die. But it says you can eat and drink, which means the scriptures, you know, in the Jewish tradition, that means you're still alive as a human being if you can eat right. and drink. Right. But this also, this eventually gets point, uh, the reason for the showbread in the temple. Mm-hmm. Um. The, um, so, so this is what Messiah is supposed to do, to so bring us into the world where people will feast not on food, ordinary food and drink, but on the very presence of God, mm-hmm. on the very presence of God. Uh, and the Lord is coming to do that. So when you look at the shape of the, what Jesus did at the Last Supper, you find that he has, first of all, uh, he celebrates the thing normally, apparently. Then at the place where you normally break the bread, he breaks the bread. This is my body. This is my blood. Right. At the end, he takes the cup of blessing. This mm-hmm. is not, St. Paul says, the cup of this, the, speaking of the Eucharist, this cup of blessing with which we bless. Mm-hmm. You know? So connected to the hell. And then instead of doing, talking about what Messiah is going to do, he goes out and does it. Mm. Okay, he goes out and does it. So uh, some scholars have said, well, he doesn't seem to end the Passover in the normal way. Does he know how to celebrate a Passover? Yes, he does, because when you come to it, the last cup is on the cross. Mm -hmm. He sips that from 
the wine from the sponge lifted mm-hmm. up to it. And he announces as the new high priest, it is finished. Mm-hmm. The new Passover, all this is, is now come to fulfillment. Right. And, um, and I think one of the beautiful things about that, fourth, about that last fourth cup is it is, a, uh, is where we were acquired by him mm-hmm. as his people. Right. I will okay. acquire you. I will acquire you, yeah, as my people. As his side is opened and the blood and water comes forth, as the church is shaped in by the testimony of blood and water and spirit, with a mm-hmm. little group of faithful, you know, our blessed lady, St. John, the myrrh-bearing women, all these, uh, all these signs coming true, you know, mm-hmm. but the powerful witness of what has been prophesied for millennia, now all coming true true in moments mm. and fulfilled in him who is the center of meaning the center of life the center of purpose of the universe jesus mm. christ mm. and who will lead us to where we will feast you know and fulfill all these signs in olam haba in the world to come in uh, when we finally drink uh, the wine mm. of the kingdom in in the new and perfect jerusalem wow now what about the fifth cup well, the fifth cup is, you know, for the Jews, it's, it's the Elijah's cup. Uh, it's, uh, it's not drunk because he hasn't come yet. Mm-hmm. But it points to the promise that they see is not yet fulfilled of the world breaking into, of uh, the Messiah, Messianic world breaking into ours to rescue us and take us home. Mm-hmm. That will be fulfilled in the Messianic age. Now, we say it's already begun. It's imperfect. It's in shadows. It's in sacraments. Mm-hmm. It's... Uh, but it's, it has, and this is, of course, where Judaism and Christianity differ about right, whether or not right. Jesus is the Messiah, I mean, among other things. But I would say this, you know, it is, it is how we respond to this, how we live our Eucharist mm-hmm. matters. Right. There's an old Dominican story about a, uh, a, a Dominican and a rabbi who were having a conversation uh, and in li- Dominican library, and the Dominican uh, just gives this perfect, you know, scriptural references of why Jesus is Messiah. And meanwhile, the rabbi is looking out and he's to the street and he says, you know, isn't it true when the Messiah comes, he's supposed to give and uh, inaugurate a reign of justice and mercy and peace? He says, well, yes, that is true. Well, he says, from where I'm standing, I see a crowd of Christians beating up a Jew. Mm. So our sins and our failure to live with the love and the meaning of what Christ has enacted for us, that love that poured itself on the cross, uh, that's still the challenge before us. That's the mission we have received. Mm-hmm. Moses received a mission. We receive a mission. Anytime you meet God, you'll get the mission. Amen. Thank Toda, you for joining. Uh, Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today for the Dominican Dimensions. My name is Father Stephen Alcott, and I'm a friar at St. Patrick Priory in Columbus. I've been joined today in the studio by Father Stephen Dominic Hayes. Let's now end in our prayer to St. Dominic. O light of the church, church, teacher of truth, rose of patience, ivory of chastity, freely you have poured forth the waters of wisdom, preacher of grace, unite us with the blessed. Amen. Dominican Dimensions is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Dominican Dimensions and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com.